it's right before you preach. You don't know what's in here. Uh, but there's a, they're celebrating uh, 60 years of love and also shenanigans. Uh, so this is uh, the children of Dee and Daryl Deacons request the honor of your presence at their 60th anniversary celebration. Now I want to ask you, okay, so is this, was this just for Scott? This is for everybody, huh? Everybody's invited? Okay. Uh, 60th wedding anniversary. Man, that's awesome. Give them a round of applause for 60 years. That's not too bad. That's awesome. How many of them were good? Oh, that's the right answer. You better say you're in church. You can't be honest. You're in church. All right. Um, so Saturday, June 29th at 1 o'clock. And uh, if you need directions, it's located at Centennial Baptist Church. Um, so it's here. Uh, and if you don't know where here is, it's 3626 East Eustick Road in Caldwell. Uh, there's going to be a potluck. Please bring a salad or main dish. So if everybody came, there would be a lot of salad. Okay? Uh, desserts and drinks will be provided. No gifts. Cards would be appreciated. And RSVP, please. And that would be uh, Dee and, and Daryl. All right. Well, thank you guys for coming. And obviously, you see Pastor Tony is not here. Um, so he called... Um, a temp agency, and got me to come, and so I'm getting paid by the hour, so I can do this all day long. Um, now I, I'm uh, I'm Brother Roe, and uh, filling in for Pastor. He's away uh, in, in Brazzaville, Congo. So please, or Congo, Brazzaville. Um, I actually I don't know which either one of them are. I just know that's where he's at, and. Uh, just keep him in prayer that he'll be safe and that God uses him. He's teaching other pastors there. And thank God we have a, a pastor that cares about world missions. And that's something that the church in America has, um, we definitely need to take care of our community and stuff. But we're supposed to go to all nations, not just people like us. Amen? Amen. I'm getting a little echo here. Um, I feel like I just got flushed down the toilet and I'm asking somebody to rescue me. Uh, so you would pull that down. Yeah. Um, if you're a guest, uh, our pastor's not here, so if you want to hear some good stuff, come back next week. Um, feel bad for you, but that way you can get a real feel for what's going on. And then if you're a regular, thank you for your patience. Uh, appreciate your prayers as we get, get into this. Preachers have a bad rap uh, for coming across as know-it-alls. And uh, Billy Graham uh, once was asking a kid... You know, he was in a town, he wanted to mail a letter, and so um, he, he asked the kid where the post office was, and the kid was giving him directions, the kid was, kid was on Main Street, and he's like, hey, take a left here, and whatever. And so when he was done, Billy Graham was like, hey, listen, if you come to the church that I'm preaching at tonight, I can show you how to get to heaven. And the kid said, no thanks, you don't even know how to get to the post office. And uh, so preachers, we don't, uh, we don't know everything, especially preachers from temp agencies. Um, but I'm not here to, uh, to shoot off my mouth or anything. I hope that you guys can uh, get a blessing from the Lord, get to hear from God. So um, I want to ask you a question. What's the most unexpected phone call that you ever have received? What's the most unexpected phone call you've ever gotten? When you think about that, you might think of something that was 
sad or heartbreaking. It might have been something good. You may have won something. Last year, uh, me and my wife, you might have saw this in the news. This is kind of a big deal. We actually uh, won tickets to Paw Patrol Live, right? And uh, it, was, it was bomb. I was, and, and my kids were excited, too. And uh, so we won, we won tickets, got to, got to meet them, uh, the Paw Patrol. I didn't even know that they were real. I thought that they were animated, but, you know, they're, they're much bigger up close. And uh, so we got to do that. And I wasn't expecting that phone call, really. But we did win that. And, uh, you know, um, sometimes we get these unexpected calls and we're not really under, we don't really know what's, what's happening. And if you are going to follow God, God's going to call you to do some things that are unexpected. And so pastor has been going through the book of Judges. And so uh, where I thought that I was going in one direction as I read the, the passage, um, you know, the pastor said, who do you want to preach out of in Judges? And I'm like, well, I could preach on Gideon. Uh, I could preach on, you know, some other people. But I said, okay, I'll, I'll do Gideon. Um, there were some things in this passage that I had not noticed before, and I wanted to be true to the text. And so... Um, Anyway, long story short, uh, I believe that God calls Gideon, and everything about that calling is unexpected. And if you're, a, if you're new here, you can just kind of sit back, and thanks for coming. You know, sometimes it's awkward coming to a new church, so, uh, you know, come back next week, and you'll get a real feel for things. But uh, if you're here, and you're saved, listen, and you're trying to walk with the Lord, God's going to call you to do some things, and, it's, and we have this idea of what that looks like. Right, we, we, we have an idea of what it looks like for God. What do we mean by God's calling? God's going to ask you to do some things in your life if you follow him. And we have this idea of what it looks like. And then there's what it actually turns out to be. And so we see that in this passage. There's a lot of things that are unexpected that we can learn from. And so if you have your Bible or, or your phone, you can take your phone and go to Judges chapter number 6. We'll be preaching out of the King James this morning, so you can type in Judges 6, KJV, if you want to read the same thing. And we'll go ahead and get started in the passage. Judges chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So I hear pages turn, so I'll stop here just for a second. Let me give you a little bit of a background here because the, we're going to start off with just a little bit of background with the story. So we're in the book of Judges. Uh, there was no kings at this time in Israel. The kings come a little bit later uh, with Saul being the first king and then David. So there were these judges. And they weren't like circuit court judges, right? It wasn't like Supreme Court judges. It wasn't like some dude with like a powdered wig and a gavel um, or anything like that. Uh, they, were, they were just people that God used that he raised up in a time when you read the book of Judges. It was a lot like nowadays. There, there were a lot of parallels. And what was it? It was that it was a time when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And we're living in a culture like that. And we're going to see from this passage that a lot of times when God calls people, he calls people uh, to the culture as it is. And so... Um, Look what it says in verse number one. We'll read it again. And the children of Israel, God's people, if you read the end of verse 31, it says, And the land had rest 40 years. 
So after they were living in rest, and what did they do with that rest? Chapter 6, verse 1, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. So we see this, that God's people, when they had rest, they did the wrong thing, right? And so a lot of times we talk about how we respond to trials and how we act when bad things come. But the question would be is, how do we act when we've got rest, when things are good? It says a lot about our character. And the culture that we're living in now, the reason why we have religious freedom, the reason why we're sitting in this church, the reason why we have rest, like we're not a church that's stressed on you know, paying the mortgage or anything. We're, we're building. You know, we're not backpedaling right now. And so the reason why that we have rest is because of somebody else. And so what happens is it's very easy to just step into that rest, take it for granted, and start doing the wrong thing. And it says that when they did evil, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And that whenever we do evil, guess who sees? <laughs> right? It says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And God sees us when we lower the blinds and lock the doors and get under the covers. And darkness and light are the same to the Lord. And so when they do wrong... God delivers them into the hands of this enemy for seven years. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens, which are in the mountains, and caves and strongholds. So because the enemy was ruling, I think I still have an echo here, God's people began to hide. They didn't get right. They just started to hide. Okay? And uh, they made them dens and, ca and caves and strongholds. Verse 3, and so it was when Israel had sown, when they would go out to the field, still have a little bit of echo, I think, that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, and they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. So what's going on? So... They're, they're hiding, and then whatever efforts that they have, uh, the enemy is coming not to take them, but just to destroy them, okay? And so they're, they don't have any livestock. They don't have any, uh, anything in the field. So this is a really tough time for God's people. I mean, we don't live in a, in a time of, ec of economic crisis, but they did, okay? Verse 5. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. There were, there were so many of them, for both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse number, uh, because of the Midianites. Verse 8, And the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So God sends his prophet in response, I brought you up uh, from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And so here's what happens. They're hiding from the enemy. They are, they're, they're living in fear of the enemy. They're living in frustrated efforts. Whatever they're trying to do, they're trying to do something, but nothing is happening. 
They're living in a time where they're financially empty. They were greatly impoverished. And so here they are, and all these different things are happening. And then in verse 8 through 10, they've forgotten their emancipation, right? What does that mean? They had forgotten that God was the one who delivered them. They had forgotten. He said, look, I, I, I've already delivered you from Egypt and all these other things, and you're living in fear of the enemy. And so um, God then calls this guy Gideon to go and deliver them. So I want to look at that. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump into, we'll jump into the message. Father, we love you. I pray you would help me to gather my thoughts now. You haven't given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I thank you for every person here. And God, I pray that you would move, that you fill me with your spirit, and that you would speak to every heart and that people would hear from you about your word when we love you. And help us to see when you call. It's not how we expect, but God, you have something for us. And we love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want you to notice is that when God calls us, God often calls us to an unhealthy culture. Can I get amen? Uh, God doesn't call you to people who are usually pumped for him. He usually calls you to people who've got problems. Amen? And so we see the problems in the text, and the problems that we just read are the same kind of problems that we're facing today. What does that mean? Well, they feared the enemy. You have a bunch of guys in this story... And what are they doing? Instead of standing up for their families and standing up for the things of, the God, of God, they're retreating to their caves and their dens. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a man cave. Can I get an amen? Right? Or having a den at your place. But let me tell you something, uh, men. God has called us to lead our families and to stand up for him and not just to veg out on ESPN. Can I get a witness? And that's the kind of culture that we're living in today, right? And listen, I, I got to fight that stuff, right? Um, I don't know about you. Uh, we're living in a day and age where we're in fear of the enemy. We're living in a day and age where people are trying, but nothing is happening uh, a lot of times. We're living in a, a time where some of the people that God calls us to, they're not going to have all of their money straight. And, and who am I speaking to today? I'm speaking to Sunday school teachers and I'm speaking to small group leaders, and I'm speaking to you if you are the spiritual leader at your home, or if you're the only Christian on the job, or you're a new believer, and you've got friends that aren't saved, and you're trying to reach them. Listen, God is going to call you to people with problems. Can I get amen? There, God's going to call you to people who don't have everything figured out. And so we get this, oh man, God wants me to do something, and then we step into that ministry a lot of times, and you know what you're going to realize? Like, it, it ain't all puppies and rainbows, and not everybody's going to be on board. Not everybody's going to be excited about it. Does that make sense? You think everybody's not excited about it? Come to the next service, okay? There's like, I mean, you're going to see. Like, not, you guys are way more pumped than the second service usually, right? And so um, if you see him telling my said so, I don't care. And so that's just usually how it is. And so we live in a weird culture. We live in a really weird culture. Uh, we live in a culture where sin is no longer the enemy, but sadness is. Let me say that again. We live in a culture where sin is no longer the en enemy, but sadness is. The culture is trying to avoid being sad. The children of Israel were upset that God had delivered them to the hand of the enemy, and they thought that God had left them. Even Gideon thought that. 
But God didn't leave them. They had left God. They had chosen to fear the gods of the lands. And we live in a culture where Christians are going into the closet and hiding and not standing up for the things of the Lord. Amen. We don't we talk about fear of man. We fear it. We fear uh, the culture. We fear politics. We fear all these different things. And so we wonder why we're uh, trying to fix everything. We, we look to prescriptions to replace repentance. Now, I'm not getting on you if you have a prescription from your doctor. Amen? But let me tell you this. There ain't no pill you can get from your doctor that's going to uh, fix your sin problem. Oh, I amen myself. Amen. Not bad for attempt. <clears throat> We're looking for prescriptions to fix everything. And what God's calling us to is he's calling us to repentance. He's calling us to get right. We've, we looked at sadness as the enemy when it's really sin. We keep trying to avoid being upset by doping ourselves up and, and, and going on autopilot and all these different things. And what God's called us to do is like, hey, why don't you just try getting right? Confessing your sin. Just talking out to another Christian and just saying, like, you can't do that with everybody, but say, hey, man, can you pray for me? If we confess our sins, we know that he's faithful every time and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? And that's how we get forgiveness. But James 5 says we get healing by confessing our faults one to another and praying for one another that we might be healed. So sometimes we don't just have to keep everything in isolation. That's the problem with becoming a religious Christian instead of being a transparent one. You got to be real, not with everybody. You can't always be real, with, but some people you can so we just have to start running to the Lord and not just expecting the doctor to fix every problem that we have. In this culture, they were struggling. And let me tell you something, new Christian or dad or mom, small group leader, children's ministry, the people God calls you to are not going to have all their stuff together. He's never going to call, he's going to call you to people who have problems at home, and your kids might not have a love for God yet, and, and that is the reality of what God calls us into. He calls us into a broken world. He hasn't called us into heaven yet. Can I get amen? And that's the reality. It's an, it's an unhealthy culture that God calls us into. And God, in his love, what he does for those people who are crying out for help. Who have, who have issues. What he does is to a broken culture, he calls broken people to help them. He calls people with problems to help people with their problems. And so that's the unexpected call because he, he cares about these people even though they've forsaken him. God didn't forsake them. Sometimes we think God's left us. Listen, if you're saved, God don't leave you whether you feel like it or not. God is not based off of your feelings. He's based off of his words and his promises. Can I get amen? He says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He says, if our heart condemneth, God's greater than our hearts and knows all things. So your heart might feel like, oh, God, that's not true. If you're saved, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And so we see that God often calls us to an, un, uh, an unhealthy culture. Not only that, but God calls uh, unqualified characters. If you look in verse number 11, here's Gideon shows up. We see what, what the kind of culture he's called into. But look at verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord 
and sat under, under an oak, which was in Ophrah. Not, not in Oprah, um, but that's what I was, anyway, I ain't got much to say about Oprah. That pertained unto Joash the Abbey Ezrae, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So here's this angel, and he sees Gideon, and Gideon is trying to thresh wheat, and he's trying to do it in a wine press. Now, a wine press is used to get the, the, the juice out of the wine. You've got to add fermentation to it. So they weren't like, he wasn't getting ready to get uh, drunk or anything like that. Sorry. Uh, and so, anyway, uh, you don't use a wine press to thresh wheat. And so I've heard people say, oh, Gideon's such a chicken. Gideon's such a coward. Did you read the passage? Like everything that they tried to do, the enemy would destroy it. So I think he's just working with what he's got to work with. Can I get amen? I mean, that's what I think he's just doing, working with what he's got to work with. And this angel shows up who we know is God. It was, it's a, probably a preexistent form of Jesus in the Old Testament. He would show up as an, the angel of the Lord. And you'll see that Gideon later says that I've talked to God face to face. And he was scared. And God didn't say, no, it wasn't. Okay? So here it is. It's the Lord, but he doesn't know it's the Lord. And so Gideon's trying. He's working with what he's got. And look what the Lord says. So the angel of the Lord says, verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So he's hiding, and, and, and he's like, The Lord's with you, you mighty man of valor. Now people would say, oh, this guy's a chicken. See, when God looks at us, God doesn't look at us like men look at us. Here's Matthew in the New Testament. He's a publican. Everybody saw he was a traitor to his own people. And he's writing receipts, and he's like just ripping people off. And Jesus comes up to Matthew, and he says, follow me. Because everybody saw a crook when they saw Matthew writing these receipts. But you know what Jesus saw? Jesus said, this is going to be the same hands that write the first book of the New Testament. Because when God sees us, he doesn't see us as we are. He sees us for what we can be. God doesn't see, look, God doesn't see you like everybody else. He sees you for what you can be. And everybody else you'll see in this passage, they see Gideon, you know, his family doesn't really respect him. There's a lot of things, I won't go into it, but he's hiding. In verse 13, he's questioning God. Um, he's poor in verse number 15. And he has all of these different issues. He lacked confidence in himself. He lacked confidence in God. And he's the last person that anybody would use, uh, that, that anybody would think that God would use. But God still calls him anyway. And you know what? God's calling people in here today. And God's not calling you because you have all your stuff together and you got everything figured out and you're perfect. Because God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and the base things and the despised things. And listen, you don't have to have, if you do have all your stuff together, God probably wouldn't use you. Because then you take the credit. God, when he calls people, he calls people who have got problems to people who have problems. He calls unqualified characters. I remember the, <clears throat> I got saved in September 3rd, 2000, and I went to Bible school just a few years after I got saved. And um, it was after one year of Bible school, and people were like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. And it was, right before I went back for my second year, there was a revival at our church, and the pastor was preaching on the long-suffering of God, how, how much God puts up with us, right? And I remember going down to an altar. We used to do that kind of stuff, and I, I was praying. I was thanking God for his long-suffering. And I remember where I was. I was at Faith Baptist Church in Smyrna, Delaware that day. 
And I'm not saying God spoke audibly from heaven or anything like that or through the intercom. But I felt like the Lord spoke to me very clearly in my spirit while I was praying. He's like, hey, I want you to preach. I've never had anything like that before or after or since. And I was like, are you sure? And it was like, I felt like the Lord said, why do you think I put it in you? And that was it. And I got up and then I was called and I talked to my pastor. I was like, I feel like God called me to preach tonight. And my pastor was like, are you sure? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's what he said, the same thing. It wasn't no big deal. We didn't make a hoopla. We didn't celebrate. It's just that's just how it was. And sometimes God just calls unqualified people. That's usually how he does it. You know, when you look at this story, you can look at you can focus on Gideon's weaknesses, and we all have weaknesses, and we all have inadequacies, and we all have maybe it's health issues or personality issues or character issues or all kinds of stuff. But you know why God, why God, because sometimes we can fear the enemy, we can fear our foes, sometimes we can fear failure, right? And so Gideon feared when God called him that he did, he was like, man, look what he says in verse uh, 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee? God's like, go, I've, I've sent you. Look what Gideon responds. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You know, when God calls you to do something, whoever he's called you to do something, Brother Forrest, you know, you're going somewhere. He's probably called you some people who need some help, some kids. We're going to always be like, man, I don't have what it takes to get the job done. And we could fear failure so we never get started in the first place because we look, we don't have everything that we see that how big the problem is and we see how little we are. But if you look at this passage, there's 40 verses in this chapter and 23 of them have to do with Gideon and the Lord. They have to do with Gideon talking with God and and, and Gideon going over his questions with God, and Gideon like getting reassurance from God, and Gideon like trying to make God food in the passage, and laying out his fleeces, and, and people say, oh, Gideon was so, so dumb, and I can't believe God just was so patient with him. And it's like, man, that's our Christian life. As we walk with the Lord, we just mess up the whole way, and God just works with us where we're at. And you know where failure comes from when God calls us? It doesn't come. It never comes because of our weaknesses. It comes from a lack of us spending time with the Lord. Failure in the Christian life and Christian service has less to do with who you are than who you spend time with. And when we spend time with the Lord... God starts to begin to fix all that stuff that's wrong with us. Does that make sense? You know what, what the problem is why we, we're, so, we're not as effective anymore? It's because we're just showing up to teach a small group. And we're, we're not praying over the people. 
where, why, why you're not effective at your job is because you're not praying. You're, you get ready, you put your clothes on, you do, but you're not praying for your coworkers. You're not praying you'll have a good testimony. You're not, you, you know what I'm saying? Listen, when we spend time with God and in his word and we walk with the Lord, God will allow us to become effective for him in spite of ourselves. Do you, you having trouble in, at your home? Instead of complaining, why don't you spend time praying for your children and for your spouse? Amen. Amen. Because when we spend time with God, we'll be the husbands that we're supposed to be. My wife must spend a lot of time with God. And so here's what I'm saying is this. Listen, God calls unqualified characters. That's all I'm trying to say. And if you don't have all your stuff together, good. Let that drive you. Instead of making you run away from what God's called you to do, make, make it run to you. Make, ho- hopefully it makes you run to your Bible and, and run to the Lord to trust him and run to your prayer closet and start praying. And God will begin to allow you to be effective for him. Because listen, God hasn't called us to just show up, hand out flyers, and listen to somebody else talk about God on Sunday. He's called all of us to do something for him Monday through Saturday too. Amen? All right, moving on with life. Here we go. Last thing I want to say is this. There's an unexpected call that God often calls us to in a healthy culture. He calls us, he calls uh, unqualified uh, characters, and then God often calls us to uncomfortable circumstances. So here's God, and God's like, look, I want you to do this, and I want you to deliver Midian, uh, deliver Israel from Midian. But look what he says in verse number 25. Don't miss this, please. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, said unto Gideon, Take your father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the grove that is by it. Verse 26. So he said, look, they were worshiping Baal. I want you to destroy this this altar of Baal, right? Verse 25. 26. And uh, build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. So what's God saying? God wanted to deliver Israel, so he's like, look, before I can deliver Israel, you've got to destroy this, this uh, altar to Baal, right? Because God is never going to deliver us from the things that we're choosing to be devoted to. Amen. Like, why is God going to, he's like, because no man can serve two masters, because you're going to love the one and hate the other. We are praying for, we're not praying for God to deliver us from the enemy, We've been praying for God to deliver us from unhappiness and from consequences, but we are not asking God to deliver us from the sin that's causing those things. We want to keep on, we want to hold hands with both God's blessings and pleasure. Amen. And so listen, God is never going to deliver you from something that you're choosing to still be devoted to. And so before God could deliver them, and you can read about that in chapter 7 and 8 on your own time, uh, but they had to destroy this, this, this altar. And so when God calls us, the culture's not usually healthy that he's called us. It's unhealthy, right? And we're unqualified. And what he does is he, he calls us into uncomfortable circumstances. God's going to ask you to do some stuff 
that you may not want to do. People want to, like, they want to have a job interview, that, you know, when they want to serve at church, right? It's, oh, is it going to be this? Can I do it once a month? Can I? They, we want to, like, get everything, get our salary and get everything, like, uh, it's like it's a negotiation, right? We'll serve God on our terms, not on his. But usually what I've found, when God calls you to do something, he's going to cause you to call you to do something that's it's going to get you out of your comfort zone. Amen. And that's why some of you are not being effective for the Lord because you're seeking to be comfortable instead of answering the call God has placed on your life. That's why you haven't started leading the small group. Oh, I'd have to clean up my house, and I'd have to cook food, and I'd have to do that, I'd have to study, and I'd have to miss my show, and I'd have to, it's like, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. If people are trying to make uh, earth heaven, we ain't there yet. We still got some things to do. Can I get amen? Some of the people that God calls us to, it's not always going to be in a positive way. You know, I'm going to give a little, I'm going to do a little rabbit trail here. We've got some altars in America, some things that we're worshiping. And I don't have time to get on, but I just want to get into one. That's a pet peeve of mine. It's biblical, okay? So I'm not just making it up, okay? There's some things that we need to get rid of, and we need to get back to what the Scripture says. America and Americans have been, are starting to be driven more by political ambition instead of scriptural ambition. Amen? Uh, Recently, there's uh, David Platt, pastors of church near D.C., and Trump showed up to his church. I think it was last Sunday. Donald Trump. Yeah, I know that's like saying F-bomb in church, but I'm just going to say his name. It's the president, Donald Trump. And so here Donald Trump shows up at the church, and he asks this guy to, to pray for him. The president, president asked uh, David Platt to pray for him. So David Platt, like, just put on the spot, you know, big church. I think he has like 13,000 people there or something like that, different services. And David Platt, he's, and you can read his stuff. He's got good books, good stuff. And he just starts praying for Trump for about three minutes. And he prays scripturally. And he asked God to give him wisdom. And people were mad that he asked God to give a president wisdom. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not going to quote from the book of Roe. I want to quote from the book of uh, God, 1 Timothy chapter 2. So before you get all uptight, I'm quoting from the Bible. I didn't write it. Okay, here's what it says, 1 Timothy 2. I will that first of all prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving be made for all men, especially those who are in authority, that we might live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Now what does that mean? It means this. It wouldn't matter who the president was up there. We should be praying for our president. Amen. It doesn't matter who it is. It, it wouldn't matter if it was Obama and you, and you hated him or it's Trump and you hate It doesn't matter. Why? How would you be so dumb, pardon my French, as to not want to pray for the leader of our country? No matter who, they have wisdom. And so what you got to stop doing is, listen, 
if we spent as much time in the Bible as we do listening to Fox News and CNN, my soul, we might have revival in America. And we just need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders. You know what God asked him to do? What he asked Gideon to do? He said, look, here's this thing. This altar to Baal, you guys are fearing the, the gods of the nations, of the other nations. You know what God said to Gideon? He says, you need to destroy this altar to Baal, this devotion to Baal, and you need to replace it with an altar to me. And God calls us to un- uncomfortable circumstances, not just for others, but for ourselves. And you know, I p- run into people who say, I don't have time for church, and I don't have time for, for fellowship, I don't have time for a small group, or fe- you know, with God's people, I don't have time to read my Bible, I just don't have time to pray. And you know what will happen is this, if we figured out what it is that we are devoted to, that's not God, that's replacing God, and we were to destroy that and replace it with devotion to God, I wonder if we get deliverance from our problem, a lot of the things we're going through. And so what God's saying is this, what is it that you're devoted to? Because if you read the story, we got, you got opposition from the enemy. He's feared the foe in, in the first part of the passage. He feared failure. But then in this passage, he fears his family. He fears his brothers. He's like, because he does it at night. He destroys the altar at night because the men of the city were going to kill him. People were like, Gideon's such a chicken. What is he supposed to do, do it in front of them? Where they're, they're going to kill him? And so we live in a day and age, we're not just afraid of the, of the devil and afraid of failure. We're afraid of, of the family of God. We're afraid of our family at home. We're afraid of the church. And there's some things that you might just need to get rid of, because if you got rid of them, then you'd be able to walk with God. And that would set the groundwork for God to deliver you from all the unhappiness and all the things that you're going through. And that's not always comfortable. And if you're a small group leader or you're discipling somebody, if you're witnessing to a friend, before you can give them the good news of the gospel, you've got to give them the bad news, right? Because the good news doesn't make sense. Look, you know, nobody's asked, don't ask Jesus into your life to get, you know, life enhancement. Ask Jesus to save you because we've all sinned against God. God has to punish our sin. And God's goodness is this, that Jesus took the punishment for our sin. If we repent and put our trust in him, he'll give us, he'll give us uh, forgiveness and eternal life. And the first, the first two parts of the gospel, the death and burial, are not positive. It's just the resurrection. And that's the good news. Amen? Sometimes we just want to give everybody just the positives of the gospel. And listen, you can't get saved unless you repent. Amen? I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. Amen? God commands all men everywhere to repent. There's rejoicing in heaven over, over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons that say they don't need no repentance. The rich man in hell, he says, if you send, send that guy up to my, my brother, they would repent. Heaven believes in repentance, hell believes in repentance, but the church don't believe in repentance no more. Anyway, all right, that's enough rabbit trail. Listen, I'm done. Sometimes God, expect, look, God calls us to unexpected things. People who are unhealthy have got problems. We've got problems, but God calls us anyway. And God promises that he'll be with us. 
and he calls us into uncomfortable situations. And Gideon asks the question, Gideon's like, how do I know that the Lord's going to be with me? He says, God, here's what he's going to do. He takes his fleece, right? And people get superstitious and stuff. Don't be doing this, okay? Right, don't get all superstitious. Some people are too superstitious. Paul said that, right? He says, some of you guys are too superstitious. I'm going to give you one that gets on my nerves. Who knocks on wood in here? I'm going to pray for you. Because if you knock on wood, that does not alter the universe. <laughs> Boom, everything's good. I didn't knock on wood. Like, we believe all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, this, like, changes the world? Boom, boom, done. Abracadabra. I mean, I don't you know what I mean. Like, what? And so we're a little superstitious, but here's what Gideon does. He takes his fleece and he lays it down. And he's like, God, just to confirm that you're with me and what you've called me to do, that you're going to help me and that you're going to use me to, to save Israel. He's like, look, can you just do this favor for me? He puts his fleece out. He says, if I wake up in the morning and all of the dew of the earth is on this fleece, then I'll know that you're with me. God's, I mean, God's like, I don't have to do that, but he does. And so how do we know that if God's with us? We don't have to lay out a fleece. You know how we know that we can be confirmed that the Lord loves us and God wants to use us? Because I was thinking about, where's Jesus in this passage? Because I'm always looking for Jesus when I read the Bible, right? It's written in the volume of the book of me, he says. He's the theme of the scripture. But he's the Lamb of God. He was fleeced for us. You know what he did? Jesus absorbed the dew. He absorbed all the things we've de-owed. He absorbed all of our sin on the cross. And if you read the passage, it didn't fall on the earth. It just fell, fell on the fleece. And Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so if you're trying to D.O., try to do something to get to heaven, that's not how you get there. How do I know God would save me? Look at what he absorbed for you. He absorbed the wrath of God like a sponge when he was on the cross. If we repent and put our trust in him, you know what he does? He, he allows us to absorb all of his righteousness onto our souls. We could be forgiven. If you're, at night, if you're here and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, you need to get saved. God wants to forgive you, and you can absorb that righteousness, and he'll absorb your punishment. But if you're a Christian and you're ever wondering about, like, how do I know that God's going to do this for me? If God didn't spare his own son, how much shall he by him freely give unto us all things? Whenever I, we know we, the, here's the verse we use to have eternal security. These things, 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen to this verse. That you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't that a blessing? We don't have to hope or guess or wonder that we got eternal life. We know we have eternal life. But that's not, the verse is connected. And then he says that you may know that you have eternal life. And then it says, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. He says, I don't just want you to know that you have eternal life and believe on Jesus the day you get saved. But if Jesus is willing to take the worst punishment that we've ever had, God's already answered our biggest prayer request when we got saved. And anything I asked outside of that is small potatoes. 
So he wants us to continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. And the next verse says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we have the petitions that we desire of him. If Jesus would save me after all the garbage I've done and forgive me and, and take me to heaven when I die, he's already proved his love for me. And so if you don't think God's going to answer you, he's already answered you for something bigger. And God wants to help you in your marriage. And God wants to help you with your small group. And God wants to help you at your job. God wants to help you with your kids. You don't have to have all your stuff together. And it may not be comfortable, and they might not have all their stuff together, but you can be sure, if you read how many times, God's like, look, you know what? It doesn't matter about your inadequacies. It doesn't matter about your failures. It doesn't matter about your weaknesses. You just know this. No, I'm with you. Because he's with us, like, right now, isn't he? And he'll be with you when you go out. But we got to start spending more time with him and stop focusing on all the things we don't have and start spending time with him and he'll start fixing that stuff up because the Lord has a way of making us look a whole lot better than we actually are. Amen. Doesn't he? And when you spend time with, with the Lord, he'll help you figure all that stuff out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.